Warning, Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Episode of Supernatural The Crossroads, The Winchester's Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Cowley. Joined in studio today, we do have Ryan Denton. What's up? And Michael Flores. Hello. You guys can find our show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Supernatural The Crossroads. And do remember, our preferred podcast provider is iTunes because you guys can leave reviews and rate the show. And each review that you do helps us substantially get seen by more people, get our show out there, and allows us to do more. We always appreciate a five-star rating, but only do that if you actually think it's worth it. I know we certainly do, and we'll see if we'll turn that decision around for some people here in the next hour or two. (laughs) So today, we're talking about the Supernatural prequel, Season 1, Episode 10, Another I almost did it. Yes! You almost oh, got me. You almost got me. Suspicious minds. <laughs> almost got me. Did you really Ryan fall Troll. for that? I almost did, dude. I really oh, almost that's did. So as I was just in the mood. So just to poke fun of Thomas, yeah, and his teleprompter reading ass. Mm-hmm. I replaced the actual title of the episode with another <laughs> stupid fucking episode, <laughs> which would have been amazing if he read dude, it. I, I, I almost, I almost did it. I know you I did. genuinely almost did it. God, that would have been amazing. Cause I just, I, I get through that beginning part, especially the beginning part, just like on autopilot. But yeah, no, yeah. Uh, although the title that has been replaced is not that far off. No, maybe actually that's not a hundred percent true because there were some things I liked about this one. I, I just feel like once again, we come down to a case of first draft and done, but we'll get into that as a whole. Uh, this episode, we had some more foreshadowing of the future of John and Mary and their relationship, primarily John's obsession and and what that could mean for his future. Will he lose himself to what we will eventually know to happen in season one of Supernatural, or can he overcome it? Does what happens in season one already a version of him overcoming a far darker fate that could have happened just by trying to find a killer rather than bring her back at any cost and what that might have meant for them or his soul, even in that respect. Uh, We got a little bit more of a behind the scenes to the mental letters that were, I would say not as much as I was really hoping for, but it was, it started out really interesting and I thought there was going to be some connections with the British chapter uh, that unfortunately just weren't there. But it is on par with what we know of the men of letters. They're a little douchey. They're a little douchey, but I feel like there's a little bit of a, I'm not sure if it's a missed opportunity or a mischaracterization for them. What is portrayed on the surface was very much what we expect. Yeah. But then if you take a deeper look at it, what I think they were trying to say about that character kind of missed the mark a little bit. But well, Well, that's my opinion. I don't want to get the room's opinion on that. 
we'll talk about that. And then we also had Carlos and Latika spending some time with Roxy, who's not dead. I was convinced she was dead. She's even more hot, all broken and abused. Oh, Jesus. Oh, wow. That is that's so a, dark. No, that's not. Oh, no, wow, dude. What a creeper. There's a hashtag for I you like, now. I like broken wings. You know, that I can You want to save a bird? Broken wings that you can mend. It's save a hoe <laughs> mentality. You know, it, it's uh, the just 90s like, thing. Just like women want the guy who I can fix him. Is that kind of mentality? Yeah, a little bit like that. Right. Except, you know, for you, it's a woman. You are something else, dude. <laughs> What's I want to help. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. Look, I want to help you, babe. I do. Come I here. want to help. Come here and sit in I'm this a helper. couch with me. You're a helper. My mother always told me I'm a helper. Yeah, you're a helper. Yes. Here, take this dick. I'm here to help. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's how, that's how you help. Uh, and see, okay, I'm, let me translate. Ryan's treating it as if it was medicine. Yeah, your dick is the medicine, right? And it's a dose that someone. There was needs. nothing sexual. Uh -huh. He made it that way. <laughs> why would you? Why would you think I wouldn't make it sexual? I just like vulnerability. And not to exploit it, but because uh -huh. I feel like there's a strength in uh -huh. showing vulnerability. Yeah. When people are willing to be vulnerable, I, I'm i being serious here. No, I, I, I get it. Ironically, it takes a lot to let the guards I think there's strength in vulnerability. Bit. Right. I think people who don't allow themselves to show any vulnerability are actually weak. So That's I think, you, Ryan. So in essence... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's hard to be vulnerable and you're as amazing as I am. So, <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it's too easy. It's too easy. I'm uh, sorry. You guys are just throwing me softballs here. Yep. Anyway, so what I was saying is like, I believe there's more strength in allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Well, and that's something that Carlos certainly takes away from this episode. And while I think that's a solid message, I, I do wonder how much it fit. Or, or how much it works for where he's at as a character right now. You well, mean more, the parallel between Roxy and Carlos? Right, that, right. That, was a, that was thin. I've, I feel that like, was a reach. I feel like it's a problem not of concept, but of pacing. We've, mm. we've just had Anton make a reappearance after what seemed like a failed date weeks ago or mm -hmm. episodes ago. And so now we're led to believe that he's already in, enraptured with this person and... He probably got a dick pick, and he was like, damn, that thing's huge. He probably got the ass on the first date, you know? Oh, yeah. so you lose interest because you got it. It was too easy. No, he's was, now he can't stop thinking about uh, that butthole. Yeah. That b-hole. He's the all, brown damn. Eye. He's like, damn, that brown eye was good. He it was tight. You, you good? Tight butthole. You good? All right. I had one more in him. <laughs> I, but I, Tom, I'm do you ever think about butthole? Do you ever think about tight? Do you tight, want that answer? Do you ever think about tight butthole? <laughs> Not just butthole, but tight butthole. Is it at all tight? No, you don't know. I, I I guarantee there's some porn stars out there that don't have tight buttholes. Okay. So anyway, back to the show. <laughs> back to the show, what we're talking about. I don't I think it's a pacing issue of their relationship rather than a problem with the concept or the character. Okay. Because it seems to kind of come out of nowhere after we barely reestablish any connection. Mm -hmm. I, I agree too, because I feel like and, and I think we talked about this before. Um when you do something like this and then you like episodes go by and we don't know the established like time, like the length of time that's in between episodes or whatever it is, mm -hmm. it seems almost like, okay, well, how long ago was this? Like, is it, was it 
you know, three hours ago? Was it three weeks ago? Like what, what was the, what was the time frame between their last date? See, I see what you guys are saying. My issue more or less, and I'm sure we're going to get into it, right, Thomas later, but my problem with it was the, the loose connection that they were trying to apply with Roxy needing to forget her trauma Mm. and Carlos needing to forget Dick (laughs) because he can't do his job. That 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 feels a little insulting for what was an obvious metaphor for rape. Mm. And that I have a, I have an idea. So, cause I don't think you're wrong. It, it feels like once again, the missed opportunity to take the story down a more, adult mature serious tone yeah because what they could have done and i'll save this for when we get to that part of the discussion but i I feel like what they were trying to do i understand but they didn't think on it longer than the first idea right and so they just like well that's what i came up with so bingo we're gonna make it happen rather than sit there and let it marinate and say is this really strong enough is do we need to dig deeper and they don't do that but I think the idea behind it could have worked. Mm-hmm. It's it's your kid wants to make a tree house and they built out their own plans and you're like, okay, this tree could support a tree house, but you are not an engineer and this is not going to hold up if we try and make it based off this. So you feel like the, the, the ingredients themselves could have worked, but Correct. the execution Correct. overall. And I have a distinct way in which I feel like would have made it a little bit stronger, but I want to see if, I'm just blowing smoke or okay. if other people would have agreed with it. So we're just going to kind of go chronologically with some of this episode. Okay. The opening teaser. How did, how did we feel about that? I thought it was a little, yeah, not necessarily predictable, but a little silly. I don't know that it's just like this, but maybe that's just a humor that didn't stick for me because like this, Oh darn! Well, let me just grab this crowbar, crack like like it, I think it, was, it was meant trying to, be like that, to go though. for that. I, I think, think. It, I think it was supposed to be a little cheesy. There, it's kind of like the, if you know how you like the fit, is, yeah, is like the like old Pleasant sitcom. Ville. Oh, the Gee golly, yeah. you know, like I think it was supposed to be like that on purpose. Like, well, nineteen fifties was in the midst of suburban bliss. Yeah. So I well, mean, to have that or, uh, Pleasantville. Pleasantville. Yeah. yeah, like kind of that same thing. I mean, like, and that's what I got. I mean, I mean, first of all. The, the the whole like you know stigma of like the girl the, the lady doesn't know anything about vehicles mm-hmm. like that was a whole 1950 thing you know? right like, you know the woman stayed home and cooked and whatever and the guy you know knew how to was fix at the shit. work yeah exactly so <clears throat> I, I was okay with that I think it was supposed to be a little you know slapsticky maybe a little cheesy you know she grabs a crowbar I, I didn't expect her to grab the crowbar I was like oh she's gonna grab a wrench or whatever and the other lady was the bad guy it was that's what I thought to me it mm-hmm. just felt like Abaddon. I mean, oh, yeah. do you remember yeah, Abaddon, Abaddon was, yeah, she also was like that. had that suburban... Quirky. She was quirky. Yeah, yeah 1950s well, it also took place in the vibe. 50s. She also had red hair. Exactly. And was hot. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you guys think about this part? Don't, that's not even funny anymore because... It is. It's sad. Does it, it make you sad it, now? Yes. Um, he does. I liked it when that was all... That was, the worst, that was the worst thing? When yeah. that was the worst thing, You're it right. was fine. Yeah. yeah, It's not even that bad when you think about it. Yeah. When all we had to worry about was the actors not watching Supernatural, <laughs> n- now we have to worry about the actual writers. And the people, like, running the show. Yeah, yeah. not understanding or nor watching eh, whatever, older dude. episodes. It's a show. No one, nobody cares. It's a show. No one cares. <laughs> I feel like that should be a shirt. So much of that hurts my soul. <laughs> 
but I can't dis disagree. She, so just here it is. Okay, the shirt is the anti Akrita logo, right? Like the, the the tattoo, and then it just says it's a show. Nobody cares. I feel like that's a hit, and I would wear it. Okay, I'm gonna send. I'm gonna make it. Send you a link. I'll yep. fucking buy it immediately. <laughs> People be like, "What's that from?" I don't know. I never watch a show. <laughs> just use it for everything. Sorry. I'm also going to get one that says the Winchester's tight B holes. <laughs> You'd wear that down the street to the supermarket, he would you? Fucking would, dude. Hell <laughs> oh, yeah. And it would be on the back. The tight B holes. Well, it has to be on the back. Tight, tight B holes. It's going to be one of those long shirts, you know, the hip hop guys wear. So the, <laughs> oh, the, the B hole part will it's be right, right on the B hole. Right is, yeah. yeah, that's smart. I'll put a target there. Oh. What do you think the B hole is? <laughs> Long. Well, you can't see it though, unless yeah, you it's have, hidden. Yeah, so you got to allow, you got to help people out. Yeah, if the target's covered. <laughs> okay. okay. What the hell is wrong with us? This is this is what the, we've been reduced to, and there wasn't far to go in the first. Nah, place. you're you're not wrong. But I to circle back on on the actual thing, I didn't mind that opening teaser. I thought it was fine. I I I understand the the 1950s kind of stigma of like, you know, well, I like, so the, I was okay with it. I like the fact that the Akrita had been a problem since the fifties. Like that was the yes, biggest thing. Establishing like it. a timeline. Yeah. I, I, I agree. think the thing that I liked about it was the actual visuals. Mm -hmm. It went back to the old supernatural X files. out that dark horror nighttime. It thing. did yeah. have that. And with yeah. the, with the very obvious moonlight, that's high contrast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like that. But we don't get enough of that mm -mm, in no, this show. No, we don't. It's all and, and sadly, we haven't gotten a lot of that in the last couple of seasons of the main show either. Where, I mean, I remember just last week, which, you know, wasn't a stellar episode for us to talk about. But Mary, when they're in the, not Mary, Millie, when they're in the vault, brings out her lighter for light. And I'm like, I can see the switch, guys. This is a well-lit room. Like, I do miss some of that more attention to detail with some of the cinematography and lighting. And so this having that same vibe was a nice kind of cool touch callback yeah. to how things once were with that visual. But yeah, the fact that the Accrete had been around for the almost 20 years at this point, if not longer was nice. And I like that the, it has a narrative element to the episode. That's kind of a clue for what's to come rather yeah. than just, we've got someone who gets murdered and, that's what we're hunting this week. Now, one thing we, we jump then to Mary and John with Millie at the house. And I got to ask now, because I don't quite understand the geography. This was saying this is this. They were in Mary's house, correct? I, I, th I think. Yes. I, yes. That's Where, what I assume. In yeah. which there has been placed a security measure for the men of letters bunker. Yeah. Originally I had thought that's my, what's one of my problems with this show. It's very, um, assuming the scope is narrow and they assume that we know. understand, we understand what's outside. Yeah. And they don't really allude to a larger, it's called a diegesis, a, a, mm -hmm. the story world. They don't allude to what's outside of our narrow vision. So, and they just assume we, we have no idea. That how we know city... what they're talking about. So are you talking about the Campbell home? And then if you listen to exactly what she said, and then you go to that next scene, you're like, okay, so she used the phone system as a way to ring them at their home, the Campbell house, 
if something's going on at the Men of Letters bunker. But the Men of Letters bunker has its own security measures. Yeah, so that's, that's what I didn't that, get though? because that's it what, shouldn't. That's the thing is, no one should be allowed to get into the freaking. They keep calling it clubhouse, which pisses me off because it's a bunker. Yeah. But it's a clubhouse. You don't know. They but they shouldn't be there. allowed to be in it in any way. They've always been warded and locked down like Fort Knox yeah. on, on leap year. That's like, why I assumed it was the Campbell home that they were warding. Securing. Yeah. Securing, yeah. Or if, I thought the best thing you could have done with that was simply have it be no one can get into the bunker and then all of a sudden some artifact or device they had taken out of it from previous episodes goes off because that would have said, what's that? I, it means someone got in. How is that possible? Mystery and intrigue. Mm -hmm. This just makes it seem like someone, like anybody can walk in the door at all, any time. Yeah. And so that really threw me because this is another thing where the lore, and we talked about this on our pre-show last week, the lore and canon is getting real fucking thin. Because yeah. it was my understanding that you can't just get into the clubhouse or the no. bunker or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like they have throughout the original show shown those to be the most highly warded, impregnable, only can be opened by God and Amaro on a bad afternoon level warding. The key is acceptable. The key makes sense. Him getting in. But this whole security system feels unneeded. Other than, I guess, it, it alerts Millie them to do. from home. But the question is, how far away, as you said, the diegesis of the setup, how far away are they? Yeah. We, we don't have a good established view of how this world lays out. Narratively speaking, when looking at, I guess you can call them narrative plants that you're supposed to do, if we get to the end of the season, retrospectively, I'm going to look at this moment with the so-called security measures, if they never come back into play as weak, because then wasn't necessary. The only security measure that was needed was so that they know that a guy showed up. Like, so you introduced and spent four minutes doing on a talking. security system so that you can then introduce a men of letters who just sneaks into the bunker. It would have been easy if you simply you had showed people up at the, at the men of letters clubhouse. It feels like it's unnecessary time wasting elements. Correct. And typically that th things like this happen when you're dealing with writers who are not experienced. So they're trying to fill time. That's, that's kind of like what we're doing. So they come up with these scenarios. <laughs> no, this is, this is legitimate because this is a hundred percent what the page was. I was on. Why is this here? He could have just been in the bunker already and surprised them. He could have been. Eric Kripke and Sarah Gamble have discussed these types of things yeah. and literally called people that do these things. Hacks. So we are not saying anyone's a hack that's on this, that's in this writing room. But by default, Eric Kripke and Sarah Gamble have called them hacks because they have said anyone that introduces a narrative plant only to use it five minutes later is a hack maneuver. Yeah. You're supposed to introduce these ideas way ahead. This whole security measure should have been introduced episode three or four two, episodes episode ago, three, five episodes five, ago, six, the very least, seven. the beginning of this episode. Like, and then this mattered at the end of this episode. To me, that's still a little weak, it's but, still it's, too but soon. it's also yeah. a little more acceptable. More yeah. TV shows again, do those things. Now, that's what I'm saying, Thomas. If we go within the next two or three episodes and this actually comes into play, then retrospectively, I'll say, okay, you know, it's fine. But if they never go back to this security measure True. again, it's fucking weak. If they bring it back, agreed, that would be fine. 
But I think this is, again, an example of they just went with the first pass. There's a lot of call out and lines in this episode, and I think the last one, too, in which it's establishing things that have never yet been established as if we all were on the same page and knew that. And the idea that they're playing with, oh, well, you all know the men of letters and how awesome they were at stuff. If we had a better understanding of the world through this show alone by them setting up some sort of security measure and that this fort is unpregnable, anybody who gets in here, that's not possible. And then if they went to the clubhouse one day and it was already open or as they saw, they had their books reordered and the chess set set up and tea was ready. That would have introduced a lot more intrigue for us watching it. Instead, we just, as you said, have this four-minute scene that doesn't serve any purpose other than to introduce the fact that perhaps Mary's applying to college. Which also feels weird because she has been 1,000% and said at least 10 times now that she's a hunter. She had no life choices. There was nothing else for her. This was it. And only when she found her dad was she even... The dream of leaving was even a glint in her eye. And now I'm expecting to believe that somebody who's been a full-time hunter also has been attending school regularly enough. Well, also, too, like, I don't know about you guys, but... Dean never did that. He couldn't do that. College is... So I'm confused. You didn't like the Mary applying for college thing? I feel like that was not... It's one of those other things that's not been set up at any point. And now we're just like, well, oh, she yeah. talked about getting out. Yeah, see, but, but I don't know. What? If, I don't. I, I don't. I don't disagree. I, I disagree, Thomas. She yeah, talks about getting out of. Too. She talks about getting out of hunting. She she wants to do it once she finds her dad and blah 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 blah. And she's stuck now because she has to. They want to finish the Akrita thing. But she says once she's done hunting, she wanted to get out and do something else with her life. So I just exo facto, you know, maybe she, she wants to go to college. Like I just, I put two and two together there. I, I don't feel like that's. Too much of a stretch. Yeah, I'm okay with it. That's, yeah, I, right, I feel like it's fine. Yeah, it's I mean, not like, a, it's I, not like a. I don't think it's a logical I, issue. I don't think it's even a story issue. I just, no. I just feel like it kind of is more the same in a good way because we've seen yeah, Mary all sense. season yeah. say that she wants to leave hunting, and I, the reason why that works for me is because we know that for many, she many, does. many, many, many years. Sam and Dean were the same way. Yeah. They're like, eventually yeah. we're going to get out. Eventually we're going to get out <laughs> until finally they said, so fuck, fuck it, it. this can't. is what we do. But I like the idea that they're trying, that Mary is trying to resist this Urge. life that she was born into. Oh, and yet there yeah. are things larger than her at play, cosmological issues or cosmological things that keep pulling them back into this life. I um I guess that might be where the disconnect for me is because with supernatural that all, the the idea of the cosmic element always seemed to ring true that heaven and hell or at least a world in which demons are a regular occurrence for the first you know three seasons until season four them being fated or destined to do something or that the forces that be are pulling them in a direction made sense whereas here almost it's felt. Without the biblical, biblical Judeo-Christian element kind of entrapping this narrative, it feels more like, this isn't meant to be disrespectful, but like the Scooby-Doo, there's a monster this week and this is what we're hunting, mm-hmm. or even like a sci-fi, we're stopping invading aliens kind of thing, like Animorphs was when I was much, much younger. Wow, so it doesn't have himself. the same destiny vibe to me all the time, I guess. So maybe that, that might be why I it missed that mark for me or it didn't quite stick for me. But you guys 
bring a compelling argument. I can get behind that. One more rebuttal just to poss- possibly I can make you feel better about it. We weren't completely aware of the cosmological elements for the opening couple seasons necessarily. And yet Sam continued to resist and push back on this life. It wasn't until what season three, season four, that we realized that this was something that they were being drawn to that they were essentially season two, I'd say with Azazel's plan for Sam. But did we get the idea that it was a cosmological thing that they were super important as a family? Uh, that'd probably be season four. Yeah, yeah, it took time, but you have to work your way to that. You have to yeah. earn that. In season four, it was like, okay, we have seen There's all the been breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs, exactly. Yeah. So with Mary Winchester, this is the first season. It's and, less a breadcrumb and more a piece of bread. Well, and I'm like, where'd that come from? Yeah. Well, they gotta they gotta drop breadcrumbs. They're only in their first season. Yeah. You have to kind of forget at times. Not when it comes to canon things. But you have to forget at times that we already know what Mary is about and what John is about because they're trying to fill in the gaps and show us their life and their experiences. I do think it was a good choice, at least, because we have a lot of Sam or a Dean and Mary connections throughout the original show. Not as much for Sam, which was explained by the fact that he was a kid and and an infant and didn't even know her. So having something that she and he both share the yeah. a desire for a higher education, which definitely does not seem to be something John's put a lot of effort or <laughs> concern into, uh, I think was nice. But it, in the whole episode does kind of have that path of what might have been to it. And Dean's narration says just as much with the happy endings are rare, which I, I, I liked that one. I thought that one was yeah, fine. Was okay. I've never experienced a happy ending, so it's definitely <laughs> rare. I have. <laughs> Well, you do go. To, you do travel a lot. I had one about thirty seconds ago, right? Ryan? Yep. But yeah, yeah. In my pants while we're doing this show. <laughs> it's nice and wet on this. While you're looking seat. at uh, Carlos images. Oh of Carlos. yeah, dude. Mm. Those your Oh, does it for me, dude. And the the really nice outfits they put him. Are in. you just as smitten as he is? Oh, so smitten, dude. I can't stop thinking about him and his tight b hole. Not. <laughs> <laughs> No one's clothing looks great in the show. No. John, John, Latika, John looks. Is their name Latiga looked okay. John yeah. looks. They were going for that Velma vibe, kind of an updated yeah. Velma John vibe. John looks a like bit. a 1970s dude. He looks okay, but the the women's pants are They're weird. Just ridiculous. They don't fit them right. Yeah, it doesn't look like they fit them. They're all the. It's like that's that style that I didn't like. The mom jeans that goes up to their tits. I'm like, who, who, who high rise jeans. Yeah. And they're doing it again. Like they're, it's, oh, it's coming it's, back. It's yeah, for sure. I hate it. You, you know like why it? it's coming back? Why? Stranger things. That's uh, 100%. True. That is what yeah. it is. It's because all true. the dudes are wearing the shorts that come up above the knee mid thigh. I wear, I've been wearing those and the hats. Years, like they all look like Dustin from season one. Yeah. <laughs> Him and Larry bird, <laughs> <laughs> Larry bird. <laughs> Jesus. Dude, I, I, to to jump on the the Carlos thing, man. Like, I feel like Carlos plays a, a 15, 16 year old character. Like, he, just the way he acts, dude, is is so. He rolled his is eyes. Is that again. intentional? Like, like we. So we know we have the. I don't know. Vietnam. I can't believe I'm saying this. The Vietnam War vet 
aspect of him that he's, he's seen. No, he's not a vet. No, I, I, no well, way, just, dude. I'm going from what is he a, was a con. What's it? What's, what is what's, allegedly what's, written on the page? What's the, is, what's, hold on a second. Hold on a second. So <laughs> <laughs> let me get this straight, writers. And this again, oh, here we go. just like we said last week, the Mary and John stuff is for the most part pretty fucking most strong. It's okay. Works. It's okay. Yeah. As soon as they get to Carlos and these other people, it's like they don't know how to write for them. It completely falls apart. Yep. So let me get this straight. Carlos is a Vietnam vet. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And rather than choosing to have Latika remove his Vietnam memories. Yeah. yeah. Please remove my memories of Anton because I can't get I dick can't, off yeah. my brain. I can't handle that I like this guy. PTSD versus cock. Yeah. Really? Cock Th- that's the logic you use as a writer. PTSD or cock for this DSD. episode. Yeah. It's oh, P- maybe that cock it? broke. PPS at, at PD STD post dick trauma. <laughs> dude, I you just, see what I'm saying it's, though. It's, it's yeah. immature. That, that is it's, really it's silly. It's immature, dude. Yeah. Like you, you cannot tell me that a that a dude that went to Vietnam and saw the shit that went down in Vietnam cares more about. I, I and and look, I, dude, when you like someone. When you actually legitimately like someone, there are we've all had the butterflies. The yeah, of course. And I'm not and I'm not refuting that. But the fact of the matter is this guy is a Vietnam vet. Okay. He was fighting Charlie over in Vietnam. And now all he cares about is this guy that he went on one date with. One Arguably fucking two. date. Did they fuck? Well, almost certainly. Well, no, he said he was taking it slow. Yeah. They didn't even fuck. So so that's the thing. So Carlos, on one hand, is alleged to be this war-hardened veteran that has seen some shit. But on the other hand, every time he's on his own, in his own world with his friends, he does regress to this almost catty 16-year-old high school mentality. Now, one could argue that is a defense mechanism, that by trying to remove yourself so entirely from the horrors of war that you saw... You are leaning into this supernatural, supernatural, the superficial and frivolous gossip, dating, absolutely, yeah, silly things like that. I I don't disagree with that in as as an idea, but that's not what they're doing. But exactly, otherwise but it they, doesn't. They would have like drawn attention to that because Dean, in a way, is a great example of he that. He does that. He has trauma and darkness as his and has seen some things. And he does brush it off, ostrich head in the sand. I'm just going to keep hunting and do all this jovial stuff. And Sam calls him out on that all the time. And Bobby called him out on it all the time. But there was that well-acted moments of pain beneath the mask that we would see. And that takes strong acting and strong writing. And I'm not certain that we have either here, but they want the same Vibe. And I think this is where this I'm going to get into it a little bit. The, the idea that they had is misguided because their entire story is that trying to reach out to accreta survivors, they may be able to re pull some memories from them to help locate where the queen is hidden. And through this, we are spending time with Roxy, who was, I guess, like the lieutenant in command kind of thing, not the queen, but somebody of importance, and reliving her trauma, which is essentially her rape. 
as dark as that sounds, between mind body being taken over, assaulted by something, the whole gamut, it is there. Losing agency. Losing agency. Yeah. And and your body being invaded in many ways. That is all textbook trauma there. That is very serious stuff. And I think the actress did a good job with she those scenes. She did really good. Yeah, she was doing. She was did a really great well job. Done. Like it, the screams were convincing. It was kind of hard to listen to, and 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 just to contrast that performance mm-hmm. with her bad guy performance, she obviously has range. She's got range yeah, yeah, for sure. So that was well done. But I think the mistake they made was to do a parallel between trauma survivor. And smitten high schooler. Yeah. Where what I, the thing that seemed just screamingly obvious to me to make this work. One, you bring up a great point about the Vietnam War trauma. That seems like a fucking easy one. That's pretty easy. It's pretty straightforward. That's the first thing I would think about. If I wanted to do this type of parallel, typically when I'm writing... I think of things I'm like, okay, this would work, but let me think of the things that would, that I've written beforehand that might actually conflict with this. Right. And the first thing that came to my mind when I'm looking at this parallel is, wait a second, dude, you want your, you want Anton to be erased potentially, Mm -hmm. but not your Vietnam memories. Not the gruesome thing. That that is just so unrealistic. Makes no sense, dude. Well, see, that's the only thing I thought of with that that you could argue is potentially, you know, combat skills and training and survivalist stuff that would affect him as a hunter. But that's kind of a stretch. But the one where I feel like is is a problematic for this season and what could have been done better with stronger pacing and more attention to who's showing up when and what relevance they have to the characters is I brought up last week that we have a lore expert that they go to from a contact from Anton who then gets violently murdered in front of them only for Anton to show up again later as their pseudo nurse slash lore expert. If you had had Anton and his relationship start out way earlier, I'm talking episode one, two, and they had been together this entire season only for him to get brutally murdered by a vampire that would have given Carlos a reason to not want to remember him. The first person he truly has feelings but for. Thomas. Hold on. Because then not only would that have been the first person he has feelings for, which could have affected him and made us feel like it is impacting his hunting abilities. But also that would have been a nicer parallel to Roxy's trauma of wanting to remember the important aspect of that of his life that that character would have brought to it. And keeping the trauma with you because it is what makes you. His feels like the equivalency of what we see a lot of in the modern day world of people who really went through hard times and people who say everything's like Hitler now. The comparison is is weak. Yeah. And I don't think that was the right choice for this parallel. The idea of holding on to memories and memories make you who you are could have worked with Carlos because he has been a prominent character far more than Latika throughout this entire season. And using this to show us a part of his personality that he's finally been tapping into over the course of 10 episodes at this time might have carried more weight. But I'm expected to believe that after one date and, and being ghosted circa 1972 by Carlos himself, 
And then a second date in which they're taking it slow, he is over the moon, something reserved only for Disney princesses in the early days of Disney. Oh, that's so funny you say that because on my own personal notes, I wrote, what is he, Ariel? That That's the same level of admiration. He's got the same hair. <laughs> he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. That's what we're and approaching. That's why I feel There's only a matter of time before we see Carlos picking rose petals. And honestly, especially with him being a gay character in the 70s in Kansas, a pretty red place. Bisexual. Correct. Thank you for correcting me. You're welcome. The point would have been far worse had it been, honestly, not even a monster, but some hate crime or something terrible that happened that we know happened historically during this time period. But this is another thing that there is no fucking way it feels that the writers were ever going to take anything to that level of importance, weight, tone, or significance. So instead we're left with this shallow comparison of someone saying I got raped and he's like, yeah, my boyfriend is really awesome. And this is, we're the same. <laughs> How fucking dare you? I, I just had a really hard time with that. Not because of what it could have meant, but because of what they used to make the comparison. And I'm sorry, Mark, I talked a lot. You were, you had a point. No, those are good points. I agree. I just, I just didn't get that. That did not stick. Your idea about Anton being killed. Mm -hmm. I feel like would have been a, a great motivator for Carlos. Carlos sent him down Carlos a dark path. Something emotional or tragic to make him interesting. Cause at yes. this point he's just, he's a caricature. He's just flimsy yeah. representation. But yeah. the problem with your request, Thomas is that it would feed into this trope that a lot of people dislike. It's the bury your gaze trope. Right. Which is an issue in Hollywood. I don't think so much now, but in years past, when you introduce a gay character, in some way, they're going to end up being killed. Oh, you could argue that. But I would also say, what is the most textbook way in which you motivate a character down a path of righteousness, vengeance, or or just motivate them in general? You're thinking academically, I'm though. Th a relationship. But the unfortunately, the people writing the show are thinking, they're thinking mm -hmm. in terms of social justice. And there's certain tropes they don't want to feed into because they're trying to have positive representation. But by that very that, action, they're, exactly. they're creating poor representation. Strong representation in a truly equal society would have been that his spouse, lover, whatever, regardless of gender and identity, being lost mm -hmm. to him. People are people. That's Braveheart. That's yeah. what motivated yeah. the yeah. entire fucking movie. How many revenge stories are based on love? That is quintessential human experience stories. Yeah. You look past who's dying and look at the character and how it affects them. Also, you're not killing Carlos in that scenario. Should. <laughs> Sorry. So uh, you're not wrong. Mike, you're I've, a thousand I've percent right. Shows Thomas P P you have to remember that first off, they think they know who their audience right. is and, and they don't number one. Well, we found that but out hardcore. With there has been shows statistic. that I've covered where they have all of their queer representation covered. And yet, when they killed one of them, the internet and the blogs exploded and attacked the writers of this show, even though there were three other LGBT 
LGBTQ characters. So it's kind of a no-win situation with the internet. Yeah. And when so we're dealing with win. a show that's being led by former CW yeah. executives, that's pretty much where they lean. That's a sad thing. They don't though, want to piss off the internet. You're hundred percent right. There is no winning when it comes to the internet. So don't try to win. Try to tell a good story. Yeah. And that's how you win. You don't, you don't beat the, the, you know, the bully by playing their game. You have to be you punch better. Fucking Watch Anton die next episode now. Oh my God. Yes. It needs to happen. It wouldn't matter this, though, I would because applaud. we've seen nothing with no, him. Uh, no, right. but I would think it would be stronger though, because at yeah. least, even though it's very thin, at least it would give Carlos something emotional intent. Because yeah. right now he has no purpose in this show, other than being quirky and fun, and the gay best friend that she can yep. have conversations with on the side. So, yeah, which is all stereotype. All and of it's a it. shame. It's legitimately a stereotype. Now, the other the other half of this episode is the introduction of a pseudo men of letters. It really was. He was for a time. Uh, Porter J. Hobbs. Just kidding. His name's Jack Wilcox. Through his introduction, he he had a key to the bunker or the clubhouse, whatever we're calling it these days, and just <laughs> waltzes right in. Now, I will say the fact that he had a British accent, and I can't remember the hey, actor's hey. name, but I know him from the nanny show. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I'm also dating myself there. Wow, a nanny, the nanny. I don't know that with is. Fran Drescher. Yeah, fuck that. Show. All right, well, eh, fuck that show. He says. I All thought right. we were going to tie in the British chapter of the Men of Letters. He was going to come in and say, you know, we're. The Akrita are on the rise, and we know the American chapter's dead, so we've been getting involved. I've been sent here to do something. Like, I thought we were going to, because what I like with prequels is that kind of thing, is the tying of, oh, I remember that, and here's how it's narratively significant. I don't like just, hey, there's, you know, C-3PO waving to Han with his red arm, and that was all he contributed that was an amazing scene. How dare that. you? That I scene was so that. fucking funny. It was funny and pointless. So not everything needs to have a point. Things <laughs> I love like, how you're fighting this. Uh, what are we reviewing Force Awakens? Yes, yes. <laughs> that scene was fucking on point, dude. Ryan, tell me you didn't think that scene I mean, was I great. Did, I did laugh. I did laugh. It was good. Thomas is just bitter and angry about everything. He's angry about and, everything. And once we open up that gate, he will attack the everything. The, dude, the floodgates just open up and he just... <laughs> Look at his face. C-3PO had a right silver now. leg for an entire trilogy and no one cared. Yeah, but... I mean, but you had to sell that fucking toy, didn't you? <laughs> he didn't have any narrative significance. See, he's looking at the, the, yeah. uh, the marketing aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. not... Yeah. Oh, God, it still pisses me off. Anyway. Does it make you angry? Sounds like you're angry. I am angry. I'm always angry. He just believes in those licensing myths that the people on YouTube talk about. Oh, the licensing yeah. myths? Yeah, the fact that they had to change the arm to red so no, that Disney could make, make the money. money and not Lucas, George Lucas himself. That I don't care. They're just doing it to sell toys. Yeah. So they're getting the money either I get way. I what you're saying. Anyway. Um, <laughs> such an angry person. I, 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 liked, I liked the idea that we were maybe tying in the British chapter. To this. Hello. Uh, Hello, how are you? But unfortunately, that was not the case. But I still liked, I did like his Michael character Kang. for the most part throughout this one. Him being the neuroscientist, he really did feel like he embodied what we expect of the men of letters. Don't want to get my hands dirty. That's me. The, right the, there. 
<laughs> the guy in the tweed True. jacket. I'm telling you right now, like I would be him and I would send Ryan to go do the grunt work. You like would. you're you're, you're, a, you're a hunter. You should that should be your character, your next character. When Dab inevit or Flab inevitably dies, dies in game. He's in gonna the RPG. Oh, the RPG game. You need yeah. to do a you know that's a good idea. Men of letters character. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a gay men of letters British man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love it. Oh <laughs> yes, that'll be so. It's just your queen voice the yeah. whole time. My name will be Coxwill. <laughs> Coxwill. Cox what? <laughs> Coxwill or Coxwill? Yes. Your cocks will. It, you know, I'll, I'll be called Will Jack Cox. Wait, what will your cock do? Oh Jesus! All right, uh, crow. Uh, Charles Shaughnessy <laughs> is that? I Stupid. believe how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Grow. <laughs> no, but, I said crow. Oh, I thought you said well, grow. <laughs> I was like, wait, your dick's gonna grow. So we get a little bit of an insight of what the mental letters would have been in their heyday through him. The all of that stuff I thought worked that doesn't want to get their hands dirty, the prejudice towards mental letters or uh, towards hunters, hunters where they, yeah. you know, kill first, ask questions. Never. I liked all of that. I thought that worked and I was intrigued by that character. And I also liked that they had a logical way for them <laughs> to bring about somebody who knew about the Akrita, had information, could remove the stingers or could do various things. I agree. And, and him kind of explaining been... it actually didn't annoy me because we expect right. the men of letters to be knowledgeable, to be the book it's, nerds. It's it, not the Jin the kid who comes out of nowhere, has never met with the Akrita, but knows immediately how to save right. and well, solve this in the same episode. This has it's been established by his in very the nature yeah. of the world. It, it makes sense for the character to show up. And like, like you said, Mike, we we've established that men of letters are, are intelligent. So there was no far stretch that he knew these things that he was telling them. I was okay with that. I was okay with like, with the fact that, you know, he had all these, had all the answers essentially. I mean, mm -hmm. that's something that we haven't really seen. Um, someone who actually knew what the fuck was going on, but um, I didn't have a problem with that. I, I think the guy was a little, I know he's supposed to be uppity, but I thought that was perfect for how we've seen them portrayed. Yeah, I just, I just, it was like, I was like rolling my eyes. Like, I love uh, the elitist mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's right up here. I alley. think there's a reason why we like it and Ryan doesn't. Yeah, because I hate those people. I know. I, I, hate wish, you guys. I wish I was that person. I was not that cool <laughs> yeah. or intelligent. I, I'm totally going to get a jacket like that with little <laughs> patches on the elbows. I wish I liked tea. Actually, and I, just I think don't. I have a jacket. Hey, I, I like tea. A I have tweed, an entire a show. You, you do. A tweed jacket. Yeah. Reading philosophy, pipe in hand, glasses down to Fucking the rim Woody of his Allen nose. Over here. That's what he wants to be. And I can respect that. That's not what I want to be. That's what you that did last week. See, I, I so <laughs> that's I, what gonna, I do. I was like, that's I know I wanna, that's what you do. I want to make a like I want to make a joke about a movie, but I don't think anybody here's seen it besides me. What? So like Debbie does. Seen, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen the movie Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield? Yeah, of course. Come I'm on. Rodney Dangerfield, and you're the fucking uh, stupid French professor. The stupid <laughs> yeah, French the, professor. The guy. The guy that's not that's funny. That's an oxymoron. That doesn't even make sense. You know, the one who knows two languages and is a teacher. Yeah, but also loses With out on the chick. Yeah, loses out on the chick is you know because that's Rod what matters. Rodney Dangerfield because Rodney Dangerfield can do the triple Lindy dive. He's way cooler. <laughs> I love that movie, dude. By the way, it's a dude. It's nothing, a classic. Nothing beats fuck, the classic comedy. Classic dude. movie. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Oh God. Thomas doesn't even know who Rod Rodney. No, Dangerfield I know who he is. is. I just don't care for him because he gets uh, no respect. Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus> well played. <laughs> Oh my God. All right. So we had his story, him turning out to be just some other putting on a fake accent felt really weird for him to do that. But mm, yeah. you know, 
the plan to remove the Akrita stingers and use them as a weapon. I, I I'm I'm okay with that. I like that the idea too. The whole consciousness too. thing. Yeah, all it of all that makes sense. It, it all, all makes works sense. because of how they described how the Akrita work yeah, right and the fact that hey the stingers can also be used to transfer consciousness to through different hosts the, i think that's a pretty cool idea that m actually shows exactly why things like this work right when they reveal them because they have set this type of thing up since the beginning they even they even actually touched on the fact that they got the tattoos so they can't be right. taken over which i thought was good i was a good touch on that reminding us yeah, yeah. yeah reminding us wh why I, I i i'm okay with all of this none of this to me, none of this was like far fetched or, or didn't seem like plausible or like kind of. I they like didn't feel like they used, pulled out of left field. You know what I mean? I like that he yeah. was characterized to use intelligence to kind of best them with the spell powder that he's doing and he threw in their face. We have more to say on this, Thomas. Yeah. But we need to stop here and share our scores. And then we're going to continue our discussion on Patreon because we're getting okay. to our, our mark. Okay. So with that, let's, let's get right into it. Ryan, you weren't here last week. <sighs> For this week, what is your rating? You'll go first. Oh boy, um, I'm gonna give this episode a 67. Um, I I didn't mind the stuff with the Akrita and and learning a little bit more about the you know mm -hmm. all of that, but I could do with I, again. I'm gonna harp on this, but I could just do without Carlos and and Latika. They're they're just, they're, they're pointless characters at this point. I would rather just the show be John and Mary, and I would be totally into it. You know, normally I'd say, well, let's see what the other characters offer, because what you're saying right now sounds a lot like what fans had said for years about Castiel. Yeah. And even Mark Shepard's yeah, Crowley. Yeah, of course. No, I agree. Like, well, just focus on Sam and Dean. Yeah. But the difference is is that the writers that were writing on that show managed to make Crowley yeah. work yep. and Castiel and worked work. to a degree. He had his moments where it didn't quite feel right, right. but they never, this doesn't feel right. No, it, this is an argument that I can agree with. Yeah. It, it's just every time these other characters are on screen, it just, I lose interest. No. I don't feel like they have a true point they're in not, the show. They're mm -hmm. not there for a reason. Castiel was there for a reason. Yeah. Um, Crowley was there for a reason. These characters are just there. They are just fucking there. And I think and it's and I think it's gotten to the point. They don't have any skin in the game. No. Right. None. Mary has skin in the game. John has skin in the game. They're characters we give a shit about. Latika has no skin in the game. No. Whatsoever. Uh, so I I I I just didn't I didn't really, I, any scene that they were in, I just kind of didn't, I glossed over. And I, I just can't get over the Carlos thing, man. I just, I don't like this character. And it's it's sad. I because feel like because it's less of a character. Yeah, and that's and that's the problem. I think if this character was done properly, I wouldn't I wouldn't care as much. So it had great potential. I, I'm gonna give it a 67. I mean, it's clearly, and I didn't give my because I wasn't here last week, mm -hmm. but I was pretty on par with what you guys said. What is it? Uh, write it, was, it, down. it was like a 52. Like it wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> that last that, episode was fucking. It's bad. Was so this was clearly better. This is a clearly better episode. Yeah. Um, and and look, we've got three episodes left. I hope that. Maybe the numbers start going up, but yeah. we'll see. So, Mike, what about you? For me, this episode worked. I didn't have any really big problems with it. There weren't glaring canon issues or logic issues. There was a couple, like the Vietnam versus Dick parallel <laughs> that I had brought up. Which Should is mightier, Vietnam or, or Dick? Or the Dick. What's... <laughs> The Carlos stuff, everything you just said. Yeah. It's I, just, I, it's I don't just want not to repeat good, it. man. 
But the John and Mary stuff, I felt really worked. And we'll get into more yes. greater detail during the Patreon show as to why. I'd say this episode is 78. Okay. So I'm the asshole. Well, usually, right? Yeah, that seems about right, though. Actually, it's usually me. That's actually true. All right. So, um, yeah, this this one is kind of a weird split for me because I think the John and Mary stuff worked. I liked the Men of Letters introduction. I feel like there were some amateur moments with the script being handled in the beginning and a lot of what Carlos has had. Uh, but yeah. overall, John and Mary's stuff I thought worked and I enjoyed. And I, like you said, we had explanation that didn't feel out of place or stupid because this is a character that obviously should know these things. On the flip side, the Carlos and Roxy bit did not mesh. She did a great job with her acting and the whole point of them trying to get her memories, I was okay with. But the overall message of what they're trying to do with Carlos in that just did not stick and felt really poor taste to me for what it was going for when it could have gone it with a much more serious route that it just refuses to do so. Um, so for me, it took some out. I'm going to give it a 75. Damn, I'm the asshole this week. I, I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than last week, though. I mean, yeah, I did too. I just, it's just I still, man, I can't. Before we close out, Thomas, yeah. I do want to say on the regular show reasons why Latika doesn't work for me. Mm. And we don't have a lot of time here. So yeah. the biggest reason is she comes off as a completely fake character. Mm -hmm. There's this, this earnestness. That doesn't seem real. It's almost like a, a facade. She doesn't have emotion uh -huh. other than saccharin. This yeah. overly happy, over the top, helpful. This doesn't feel human. It feels like a caricature of what people want to be online. It feels like behind closed doors, she's a serial, serial killer. killer. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. 100%. That's so awesome. This and when she was getting interesting was when she had laws and some shit with her family when she was explaining why she chose to be a pacifist because there was a i believe they were alluding to the fact that she had at once been violent or mm. she involved herself in some it violent sur had scenario something violence. had happened that's what it was something yeah. like that and i'm like okay she th there we go that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And we've never gone back to that. Instead we get this shell of a human. This, it's it's with once a again fake pod person smile. Mm -hmm. It's once again this sandblasted, smooth, polished, gray stone of completely inoffensive, no sharp edges, no issues, nothing to worry about, and therefore not interesting. Whereas, like you said, the most interesting part was the darkness. That's why John and Mary, who are the most interesting characters out of the show, because they're the ones who have some fucking baggage. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's more to talk about. We'll do that here on our Patreon show. If you guys are interested on that, head on over to patreon.com slash Digital. Check it out. We have a ton of content over there. But for everyone else, we've given you our ratings, and we will see you all next time. We've got a week gap, but we'll see you all with the last three episodes of the Winchesters Season 1. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.